All right, let's begin. So welcome back to the Edge Group podcast, the podcast Edge where podcast. the podcast that we really don't have to do, but we just don't have anything else to do on Sundays. And we have to drag other people into our madness. <laughs> so here we are, episode five, four, four, four with four. the legendary, legendary Eric Bostrom. <laughs> hey crew thanks for uh joining it's great to be with uh old, old friends and new here uh Nabil, obviously we go way back and gal it's a pleasure to meet you it's it's uh cool to join you on sunday morning um you guys offered to buy me coffee and uh i probably should have taken you up on it but let's let's do the best we can okay offer still stands so let me just give give a little preview to everyone so you are 15 times ma superbike race winner Right, uh, MA Harley Davidson 883 Dirt Track Champion 1996, MA Super Twins Series Champion 1997 when you won 10 out of 11 races, MA Formula Extreme Champion 1998, MA Superbike Champion 2001, 2004 Daytona 200 lap record 146.83. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, these are all just the accolades, but uh, but they don't make you who you are, right? Yeah. And then recently you started um, helping out Brahma with with e racing, and you immediately won the World Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a good bike, and um, actually, I just saw Craig Bramshire, um two days ago, which is cool that we're still pals. Craig started Bramo. And uh, and then he's he's kind of helped me with uh, backmate, which is the final thing there, which has uh, been a project to help people elongate their quality of life. And uh, certainly, as far as motorcyclists go, elongate their their uh, period on you know their time on a motorcycle and their time of enjoyment, rather than than being suffering from back pain, neck pain, all the things that that are kind of wrapped around with that. So in, improving your lifespan. It's kind of funny we're sitting right next to each other because there's only one camera, right? And and you can see the questions that I'm going to ask. I know. I, I can just go have have some water. Maybe you should just point to the question he wants to answer now. So so I'm the, you get to select. I'm the first person that's ever uh, sat next to you. Here, yeah, huh? yeah, that's great. First guy. So <laughs> so uh, tell us tell us more about Backmate. How the idea got got born and and when did you decide that you're going to do something about what happened to you uh how did you go about starting a business how did you go about making a business out of it uh tell us a little bit about the challenges um obviously the the basis of every business is making money uh how you go about marketing just just bring us bring us inside your mind as a business guy yeah, it's a great question, man. You're you're hitting me uh, hard right from the beginning. I thought there was going to be like a yeah. you know a, we'll, we'll a, get, a parade lap or we'll, something. We'll get, we'll get I know. To... I thought there'd be a question about you know how do you get to be fast and we can all take notes, but right. <laughs> straight talk, into a business. Talk we'll, about we'll, it. We'll get to motorcycles a little uh, later. Talk about edge grip, not uh, not uh, traction in business. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. So the the backmate thing really came out of uh, you know a crash at Laguna Seca World Superbike in 2003 where I had um, fractured the vertebrae in my neck and uh, compressed the vertebrae as well, C5 and C6. And um, and then I had a bunch of other injuries too, but the 
all the other injuries were normal. They're the kind you heal from, right? Broken bones, torn ligaments, that kind of stuff. And uh, the the back thing was completely different. I had never experienced an injury that I couldn't really come back from and ultimately ended up shorting my career because I just wasn't comfortable on the motorcycle and I couldn't figure out why. And I'd been through, you know, the gamut of, you know, doctor's offices, um, then, you know, in and out of therapy and, and, you know, various types of therapy from chiropractic to massage to PT. And, uh, and I had some success there, but it wasn't something that I could do consistently and create repetition with. And ultimately, um, as I kind of jumped into this rabbit hole, I learned that it took repetition and it didn't take a ton of time, but it took repetition. So, um, I started to try to build a better mousetrap because there was nothing out there that did what I need to do. And certainly, um, you, you know, when you're in spasm, uh, you can't lay on the floor and do it and get into crazy positions. So I needed something that I could do from my feet that was easy, easy to um, kind of relax the nervous system and, and get the body back onto a healthy path. Um, so that's where the back mate came in. It was like, it was so obvious for me to go, okay, we need to do this standing. And, um, and it's gotta be something that's like, it's like a human hand, but it has the ability to go, you know, deep and also, um, whenever you need it. And that the back mates that, I mean, you, you can create the amount of pressure you want, which is really unique. And you can't do that if you're laying on the floor, um, because gravity takes over, right? So you can adjust, you know, how much you want to lean into this thing. And then, uh, and then that, what you're it's funny because you look at the science and i'll try not to go too far here but there's always the naysayers of like you can't you know you can't break up muscle fascia and 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 all these different things and although that may be true the chemicals in your body most certainly can so if if you have naysayers saying you know that th these things aren't working well massage therapy has been around for thousands of years for good reason it's it's right. a you know super strong practice and uh and so with the backmate, the biggest thing that I think we're learning out of all this as, as it, you know, science continues to unfold is to get the nervous system to relax. And once you go from, you know, a sympathetic state, which is kind of fight or flight, and that's what your overreactive brain does when it, it senses an injury back into a parasympathetic state, the body's able to actually relax. And when that happens, when the brain finally goes, okay, there's not too big of a problem here, then the um the muscles will, will actually relax and you get circulation you know you have the waste being removed from the you know from from the cells and then nutrients being brought in and the body can actually heal and that's really the point of doing physical therapy massage therapy chiropractic like a lot of these techniques that we have and the back may just gives you the ability to do that every day right um you know and several times a day if you need it and, uh, and the most fascinating thing is that the biggest results come within two minutes. So it doesn't, it doesn't take much commitment to really change your life around. And for me, it's really restored my quality of life. It's been able to put me on, you know, whether it's a motorcycle doing track days or a bicycle doing an eight hour race or a 10 hour race, and I can do it comfortably. Whereas before I could barely squeak through a, you know, 40, 45 minute superbike race. And that ultimately shortened my career, which was sad but but true I, I thought when you want to say it, i could barely win because <laughs> you still win. you still manage to win yeah so how do you go about making a business out of it i mean everybody everybody has ideas right mm -hmm. uh it's it's about 
the execution. So how do you go about sitting home going like, you know what, I can I can design this, I can patent it, I can sell it, I can help other people, and I can uh, make some money out of it. How, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a great question, one that I haven't figured out. So if you have any insights, <laughs> let me know. Um, it really has been a passion project to help people. And, uh, you know, the price point is low enough where I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer, but it d- doesn't mean that you get people automatically out there going, okay, I see the value in this. Um, so, you know, there's the side of, you know, I feel really happy that we've been able to help out thousands of people. Um, but then there's the other side where it's like, we haven't figured out how to make this business work yet. There's some cool tools out there, like Kickstarter was a great example of, you know, have this idea and, and um, you know, how much traction it's going to get. So uh, a platform like that certainly costs money to jump in on, but it's also proof of concept, right? And once we got, um, you know, over a thousand people to, to, you know, pre, to do the pre-sale on the backmate, um, then it became pretty viable. So I think that's sort of like when it's like, okay, this is real, we can actually do this and, uh, and, and afford to do it. But um, but getting that next step, and they always talk about that in Shark Tank, right? It's like, okay, big deal. You made a bunch of, you know, like you you sold a bunch of units in Kickstarter. No one really makes money in Kickstarter. I don't think that happens anymore. I think it may have happened when the platform was early. But nowadays, it's like Kickstarter, if you can even break even, like you're, you're, you're stoked. Um, ultimately, it ends up costing people money. I mean, most people, you know, and I would say 99%. Um, and and so then it's uh it's trying to figure out how to generate real sales and uh and the sharks are certainly right about that i mean it's a completely different world to to try to get advertising on the you know on, on different platforms and try to get a place where you can actually get return on investment for advertising because it's so easy to dump money and then it's gone and uh tell me about it yeah google, yeah google adwords man. oh man right yeah, yeah. and uh, you can lose 100 grand in a week yeah. Yeah. And Instagram and, and Facebook and there's all, you know, and Pinterest and there's all these different ways to do it, but it doesn't mean it's easy. So, uh, so yeah, we, we have, uh, I can happily say that we've helped thousands of people, but as far as business goes, we have not found our feet yet. Do you have plan to talk to talk to insurance companies, uh, going through doctors? Yeah, I've done some of that. It's a hard road. Um, it's certainly worthwhile, but, um, where most of the time it's easiest to generate sales I should, in that <laughs> take that with a grain of salt but uh easiest in in uh, traditional sales channels and uh the insurance company route takes a lot more time and, and uh oftentimes a lot more investment too okay so so you have mm-hmm. inbound marketing and, and outbound marketing right so so you're you're looking into both basically yeah yeah exactly and uh and so all I can ask is uh, anybody that's listening, please um, jump on uh, mybackmate.com if you have any sort of, um, you know, shoulder pain, uh, let's say shoulder tension, neck tension, um, back tension, anything, um, let's say, uh, you know, any any sort of issues that are that are coming back again and again, let's say a, a sore muscle that's bothering you. And uh, and just download the um, the book that I that I wrote. Um, it's a, uh, it's it's, um, it's it's just an easy, quick read on some methods to really heal the body. And uh, it's right there on the site. So just um, just grab the 
grab the book, download it, and um, it, it'll it'll take you through a journey. It'll take you a little bit through my journey, um, and I think it's a really powerful book. Good. And, and so again, back to the extension, uh, that's pretty much everybody sitting on a desk or at a computer today. Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah. It's just motorcycle racers, right? It's a massive yeah. market. Yeah. I, yeah, I know I could have used it when I when I injured my back. I, I had a lower back injury. I still do jiu-jitsu about 12 years ago uh, where I was a little little too rough on an arm bar and, and everything felt fine. Then I went home, put my head on the wall, watched some TV, and then two hours later I couldn't get up, right? And I was, I was out for six months. Wow. And it took a lot of yoga and it took a lot of... Um, a lot of exercises and, and gravity boots. Um, my buddy hanged me backwards, upside down at the gym on the Smith machine and then twisted me. And it took a lot of sessions like that for me to, to actually just walk right. Uh, and it still bothers me once in a while when I do something that's, you know, at the gym or in jiu-jitsu, it, it still bothers me and I'm out for a month, right? Yeah, and so, that, the nervous system has an amazing memory. Um, but it's something that you need to continue to stay ahead of. And that is the, the name of the book that, that I wrote is Ahead of Back Pain. And it, it is truly that. I mean, that, that's the idea, which is you can either, you know, it's kind of like riding a motorcycle, right? You can, you can be behind the motorcycle and reactive, or you can be in charge and you can be ahead of it. And if we want to ride a motorcycle uh, ahead of what, what's next, and as far as back pain goes, it's, it's probably even more important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that implement uh, can reach places. I mean, I I sit at a desk a lot, and yeah, I have old injuries too. But the the biggest pain is really neck and shoulders. And the way this is designed, I have it permanently attached to one of our doors here, and it's just the greatest thing because you can walk by and give yourself like a quick thirty second rub, and all of a sudden you got a couple of tension points that release, and you feel a lot better in a very simple way. I mean, this thing is is so simple but so well designed that it reaches places like i do yoga or start doing yoga it's not the same thing you can't fix that with yoga unfortunately yeah you really do need to i mean and yoga is such a great practice and the the breath work all these these important parts of that of, of the yoga practice um really do help bring the body into back into a parasympathetic state where you can you can uh, you know get the body into a healing healing state as opposed to, uh, you know, kind of prolonged injury state. So, uh, but um, to be able to actually have that communication with the brain to say, you know, kind of the Obi-Wan Kenobi of there's nothing to see here. Um, that's, that's essentially what you're doing with the back mate. You're able to, to get the brain to stop being overreactive towards uh, injury that it perceives. Right. Great. So you're huge on homeopathic and, you know, eating right. And, you know, your whole backmate philosophy inscribes itself in your life philosophy of eating correctly and exercising and prolonging your quality of life um, and your performance level. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, that philosophy and, and what you do and what you advise people to do without, you know, we don't need to give them the entire recipe, but cool. we don't wish we had enough time for that. <laughs> Thanks, Nabil. Yeah, we'll keep it short there. I mean, my motivation is obviously I want to be able to, you know, perform at my best throughout my entire life, right? Um, because there, I guess, is lifespan, and then there's a health span, and there's a bunch of different ways to refer to this. But ultimately, we want to be our best as long as we can. And when we look into food sources, 
um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Roundup Ready products such as, you know, the standard staple wheat and, uh, and, and you know, rye and, and everything that is typically grown in America to, to soy and um, corn, you have a ton of fungicides and herbicides, pesticides in the food. And, uh, and what these things are not supposed to harm humans, but they certainly harm our gut flora. And, um, and with that, that ends up creating big problems in the uh, large intestine with, uh, which is responsible for a lot of autoimmune disease also. And then, and then a lot of other diseases such as Alzheimer's later on, later on life disease. So, um, and it's, I mean, it's a really simple, it's that old kiss, keep it simple, stupid sort of thing where, you know, we, we, we need to eat a lot of greens. Um, I don't eat meat, but, uh, I, I'm not against it. Certainly. I mean, for me, it's more of a spiritual thing with, uh, you know, the animals and, and, uh, and I just want to be a part of the process. I say, if I kill it, I'll eat it sort of thing. But, um, but, um, I do think that, you know, you want to limit your exposure to, to, you know, meats, um, mostly because of what it does, you know, um, how it, if you eat a lot of meat, it, um, you know, the, there's too many omega-6s and, in, uh, in, in especially in conventionally grown meat. Um, whereas the, you know, if you have beef that's pasture raised, it's much higher in omega-3 and much more balanced profile. Um, and of course, omega-6 is highly inflammatory. Um, so we want to stay away from conventionally grown meats. Which is which is interesting because we want to stay away from co those conventionally grown um, vegetables, right? And uh, and grains that would be that would be Roundup Ready products and whatnot. So um, <clears throat> so it's it's sort of you know, although organic is certainly not perfect because the farm practices here in the U.S. are, are pretty backwards. Um, it's probably the best thing we can do, and of course we want to try to help grow that industry. The prices are coming down on organic. And, uh, and then, you know, we want to stay away from processed foods and it's, it's really just that simple. And then staying away from processed foods, you're really giving your, you know, your gut flora a chance to hopefully rebuild and thrive. Um, obviously we want to stay away from antibiotics and things like that, that end up hurting, um, the gut. And I think one of the, the great quotes that I'd heard is that our, our gut flora today, as opposed to what it would have been like a hundred years ago, hundred years ago, it would have looked like a rainforest, tropic rainforest. And, and today it looks like the Sahara desert, you know, it's just, we're, you know, that, that is why, uh, you know, right now our mortality rate in America for the last 20 years has been, um, has been shortening. Right. And so we're seeing people die earlier and earlier, and we're going to continue to see that. And it's really a shame because, you know, here we live in, uh, you know, the one of the wealthiest countries in the world and, and should have the best health in the world. Instead, we have some of the worst health in the world. And, um, and, and it really comes down to our grocery stores and too much fuel. Another great analogy, if you want to hang on to it, is, uh, is, is that food is very much um, like putting fuel in a tank. And, you know, you have a you know, four-gallon tank on your race motorcycle. You can put in two gallons or three gallons. Mm -hmm. The bike's going to run great. You can put in four gallons. The bike's still going to run great. The moment you put in you know, four and a half or five gallons, you create a toxic spill, right? And now you have gas all over the paddock and, and everyone's breathing it. And that is essentially what happens when we put too much fuel in the body. And uh, carbohydrates are the easiest way to put too much fuel in the body. Um, they're also the ones that typically are the most um, polluted in the sense of like uh, fungicides and whatnot. So, um, 
so so it just all comes back to you know keeping it simple and um and a great i guess to continue that analogy once you have that toxic spill that's where um you start having insulin resistance and uh and then and then from there i mean whether it's cardiovascular disease diabetes um, Alzheimer's, like the biggest killers in America, they all come from that toxic spill. So um, the the easy way is don't eat too much, don't eat if you're not hungry, um, stay away from carbs, and especially stay away from carbs after 2 p.m. if you're trying to lose weight. Um, and then and then uh, so so you know you kind of preload your fuels if you're um, if you're a carb eater. I try not to be. I try to go very heavy on a fat diet. Um, Are you in ketosis right now? No, no, I'm not not anything uh, too extreme like that. It's just that I like to um, keep the body burning healthy sources of fuel and uh, and training it to to burn those healthy sources such as fat because it does take a little training, um, and then uh, and then and then really trying to limit how much fuel I have, especially as I get later on in the day, because that's when that's when uh, those fuel sources don't get burned. And then they end up going into, uh, you know, the visceral fat and some really tough stuff for your body to get rid of. Yeah. And then and then getting rid of fat is, is a story by itself, right? Because there's toxins in there. And once you start losing the fat, you're going to feel bad because all those toxins are back in your body. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you, you really, you become a zombie, but you're also really um, putting yourself at risk for cancer and some of these things because uh, the, the fat cells um, become kind of zombie cells and they don't die. And then those are the ones most likely to um, replicate into, yeah. into cancers. So uh, if, we can, if we can just keep our body at, any, at a balance and uh, at a healthy balance, then you know, we're, we're really insulating ourselves from disease. And uh, you know, the, the idea that you know, medicine will save us from all these diseases is so flawed. Um, we're the ones that will save us from disease. It's not 100%, there's no guarantee. Yeah, from, who said, let thy food be the, the medicine? It was Hippocrates. There you go. Hippocrates. Yeah. Just your medicine becomes food. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's so valuable. Um, there's so many valuable things from these philosophers from, you know, four or five, that, well, yeah, that was about 3,500 3, years. All the way to the, to the 20, uh, who, who's that, that German doctor that wrote the book, The Mucusless Diet? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it sounds it's like about, a good one. Yeah, so it's about fasting, long-term fasting, mm -hmm. and uh, the fact that you need two meals a day. One is fruit-based, the other is vegetable-based. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Clean out, and, and and he said that every disease in the body is simply mucus, right? Okay. So if, you, so if you're going to do the mucusless diet, you're going to see mucus just coming out of your body. And I, I saw it when I did it, so. Very cool. Yeah, and then you just, yeah. you just instantly feel better. Yeah, fasting is so powerful, and I think that's why it's been around for centuries, oh, well, millennia. And, uh, you know, and fasting is not hard to do. You, you know, the, the most common and easiest one to do is the 16-8, where you, you know, you don't eat for 16 hours, and then you eat all your food within an eight-hour period. Super easy to do. I'm doing it so right it now. feels great. Yeah, I'm right? doing it right now. Good for you. So I, in anticipation to for my new bike, Nabil, I... Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, need, I really need to, to lose the COVID weight. So I weighed myself and I was 214 and that kind of scared me. So I'm, I'm going back to 180. And um, it's been a week now and I lost seven pounds. So I'm, I'm, I'm on track. 
it's too quick to lose, but I'm going to slow it down a little bit by just piling on, piling on a little bit more calories. Uh, and it's um, and it's mostly plant-based, right? Now, no carbs, plant-based. I try to be in ketosis, but ketosis is not good to be on for a long time, so you have to cycle it. You have to cycle in and out of it. Right. So maximum of three weeks on it, and then have some sweet potatoes and get out of it, and then go back on it. Uh, but but it's it's really it's it's really an exercise in put fuel in and look at your body change right. And the good the good thing is that every seven years I think we're completely brand new because our cells die, mm-hmm. and and they regenerate and it takes seven years to regenerate your entire body. So if you start eating right now in seven years, you'd be perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. And some of those, the tissues that take the longest to replace, of course, are in your brain and whatnot. But most of our cells replace themselves uh, within within a matter of days. So it's, it's uh, we, you know, when people say I have an injury and I'm not healing from it, they're not giving their body the right opportunity to heal. And that's just simple, right? Mm-hmm. It's not to say it's perfect, but um, there are some things that maybe we're not going to heal from but if you are not giving your body the best opportunity to heal, then you're certainly not going to heal. And, and that's where the food source is everything. And uh, for any listeners that want to lose weight, like eat more vegetables. It's just that easy. You're not going to gain weight if you're eating vegetables. Yeah. Leaf, the gr- leaf the greens, yeah. cauliflower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, supplements, probiotics? Like them, don't like them? <clears throat> Prefer to do it naturally? I prefer to eat naturally, um, but I'm also, you know, of course, a fan of supplements. Um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to have a big enough education for most people out there, um, and, and myself included, um, to really understand what to take. I mean, you can say right off the top, like most Americans are deficient in vitamin D, and, uh, and with that, you need, you know, D3, K2, and, and, uh, and, and then like mag, magnesium and zinc. Um, and those are just some, like, you know, that's a really inexpensive supplement that most people are deficient on. And, um, but then you can go, you know, all the way into, of course, probiotics, which can be and prebiotics, which can be more expensive and, uh, and have, and, and those are really important. Um, of course, I do believe they're best to be consumed in your food sources, you know, whether it's those leafy greens and uh, you know, cruciferous vegetables. Do you, take, so. do you take trace minerals? I do. I do, especially if I'm working out a lot and uh, in the summertime when I'm sweating a lot. So, yeah. and I notice a huge uh, benefit with those. But, and they're inexpensive again, so it's pretty cool. Um, there's a brand out of Salt Lake called um, Trace Mineral, which is, uh, I think their product is Electra Stamina. And it's got some great stuff in there, like terrine, which is uh, is great for healing. And then, uh, and then, and then, you know, the whole kind of uh, mineral uh, complex, and and the, those ones, they're just, it's a, you know, it's a local company, it's good, good product, and um, and if you're, and it's not like you, it's not like you can take too much, right? If you take too much, you're going to end up getting a headache. Back it off a little bit, um, but if you uh, if you're not taking these. Uh, mineral supplements and you're you're thinking i'm going to drink gatorade well that's a big problem because gatorade is has so much sugar in it it's actually going to um remove the the water the the h2 from the cell so that it can bring 
so that it, you can process the sugar in your stomach. And, and, and it is processed food at the end. It is. It is, right. So so you're much better doing it through a mineral tab. And, uh, and, and then you're actually going to be able to pass because it takes minerals to pass, uh, to pass water through the cell wall. So, um, so you can't just drink water if you're on a really hot day on a workout. Um, and you, and you definitely can't just drink Gatorade. Gatorade's actually going to dehydrate you in that scenario. I mean, or, or I should say most, I shouldn't say Gatorade, but I should say most, um, most drinks have too much sugar to effectively hydrate you during a hot workout. And, and I saw some with sodium too, which is, yeah. I mean, so, sodium's okay because you're still in there. Yeah, yeah. sodium's, yeah. you know, it's a good mineral to have, yeah. but yeah. it's better to have, you know, a, a complex, a complex mineral, which yeah. would have like well, the magnesium, calcium. Yeah. Do, do so do, that, bridging a little bit to our favorite topic here, yeah, and, yeah. and I know also your wife Janelle has a, a cycling school. You're an avid cycler. Um, I think a lot of people that do track days and race wonder about what to eat you know maybe the night before the week before during what advice do you have for them um or a big performance like you know your cycling bouts of like sixteen thousand hours and <laughs> five million miles back to the moon and back <laughs> it's it's important i love that it's important to know that all of our systems are different and so we can get away with different things and also i think uh age has a big fact you know it, ends up being very important Tell when you're a it, kid yeah. you can get away with murder right yeah, yeah. and uh yeah. as we age it starts getting more, uh narrower and narrower and i think our bodies have a tougher and tougher time with carbohydrates so um but that being said i think right now we're seeing i remember you know when i started watching the tour de france the youngest winner of the tour was 27 or 28 years old and i, I think it may have been like Le Mans or somebody like that um now we're seeing, I mean, we're, we're seeing children win this race, like basically, right? Like you have 21-year-olds winning the Tour de France. That never happened before. And I think, uh, I think it's because there is so much more information coming about uh, with decent fuel sources um, in, in food. And, uh, and so, you know, I, it's making a big difference for the kids too. Um, what I notice is clarity-wise, um, eating, you know, let's say a, a pasta dinner before race which was the uh traditional like i'm gonna carb load before race made me pretty foggy the next day and uh especially if there was not you know uh <clears throat> enough enough fats in that meal and typically there's not so um so as i as i honed this process over time i realized that you know if i could have a, a you know a green meal for dinner um with a lot of fat then I would be very clear the next day. And, uh, and I never worried about, at, at some point I got over that fear. I think we're so fear-based, you know, fear of running out of protein, fear of running out of carbohydrates. And it's really BS because it's, it's, it's easy to get fuel, uh, especially for a sprint sport like motorcycle racing. It's tougher in bicycle racing, but you also, it's not like you can just, you know, it's not like you can just step up and reload the machine with this huge amount of fuel. So, um, so for motorcycle racing in particular, I would say, you know, keep fueling during the day with, you know, a decent breakfast. Um, and my breakfast, breakfast of choice is um, kind of a, a, a green based smoothie that I'll put some low, 
low sugar granola on top and it's, so it's essentially very little fruit it's usually like avocado I'll, I'll do some like blueberries so there's some fruit there i like blueberries a lot but um and and raspberries and things like that berries are awesome but i don't do like the bananas and all and the oranges and all that stuff i uh do like an avocado and greens and uh maybe like plant-based yogurt and then blend that up with some almonds and that'll be my base and put some uh low sugar granola on top hopefully homemade and um and and that'll that'll kind of bring you through the day pretty far in the sense of you know of course you can feel along the way with uh some well what whatever you're eating that day but you know it, it could be a good bread or or you know good a, a good energy bar, whatever. But um, the important part is that when you get towards the end of the day, don't carb load because uh, that's that's sort of been, at least for my body, it's been a week or it's led me down the wrong path. Um, rather have a you know a nice, a nice hopefully uh, you know dense salad with kale and, and your power greens, and then uh, and then you know if you're a meat eater, you can have that you know s- small slice of meat or if you're a plant-based eater, you can have your vegetables and maybe a potato or, or a sweet potato or something. And that, that should be the basis of your dinner rather than thinking, and a lot of fats. Here's the thing. It's like when you're doing a salad, like take your, uh, you know, whether it's your avocado oil or MCT oil or olive oil and just flood, flood the thing with oil. And that's going to be more fuel than you'll ever need for the next day. Yeah, it's a lot of calories. Did, did you ever try cardiceps mushrooms for yeah. concentration? Yeah, and they're they're really great. I had a uh, good success with them on the bicycle. For it seemed like, especially at altitude, it helped me. I think altitude has never been a place where I've been really comfortable, and I've noticed that cordyceps have helped me. Um, and also, you know, they're they're the beetroot extract because of the nitrate uh, and and help of um, oxygen uptake. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think there are definitely some, some tricks to that. I didn't notice them as much on the motorcycle, but on the bicycle, I, I'm, I'm sure that I had FX. So, so I'd say if you're, if you're struggling on the motorcycle for what, for energy, um, probably take a motorcycle class, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to fast track riders. They have a lot of classes, but there's a lot of great classes all over the U S and, uh, and on the motorcycle, you know, you can, I laugh, think about uh, watching, you know, some pretty out of shape riders like Anthony Gobert um, be able to get the job done um, with probably zero, well, very little energy. So if you're if you're really exhausted after riding the motorcycle, take some classes and uh, find a more effective way or more efficient way to let the motorcycle work for you. Yeah, I mean, Teletus is this is a great hour riders, right? I mean, yeah, no, that's that's an endurance challenge, yeah. but. As always, bigger endurance challenge for the brain, and uh, and how are you going to get the best results with that? You're going to have those fats to, to yeah. fuel the brain. Do you ever take um, IV vitamin, uh, vitamin? No. IV vitamins? You never took them? No, no. Okay. All right. We'll, t- we'll talk later. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> they, they, they helped you, Nabil, uh, right? Get over the flu? They did. When I went through the uh, the COVID, uh, as soon as we suspected we had it, uh, we just went and got uh, like a cocktail of vitamins. And because it's straight in the blood, it doesn't have to permeate, you know, from the stomach into the blood that you don't lose as many. So you get a really nice vitamin load. And, uh, you know, didn't feel great that weekend, but uh, I didn't get seriously sick either. So 
I think it did help and shorten the recovery time. Cool. I have a funny story about that. So um, this was back in 2009 and I'd never done a triathlon of any sort before. And so we signed up for the one here in Vegas, which at the time was the hardest one in the world. And, uh, and I had a, had a pretty good go on the thing ended up finishing fifth overall. And, and, uh, and maybe it's just, you know, pure ignorance because I'd never done the event, but I, I would have finished a little bit better, but I got, I taken too much, uh, too many electrolytes. Um, well, actually I had made the mistake of kind of eating too much the day before and ended up pissing out all my, um, really all, all my all my water and so I struggled on the bike and then ended up taking too many electrolytes and ended up uh, in the toilet a bunch of times on the run because I had the runs um which was like the the American pie episode of like you know running to the bathroom um but it still went pretty well and then after the race uh some friends there and I was chatting with them and and then they left and uh and somebody just like grabbed my shoulders and guided me into the medical tent. Thank God, right? And too, much, so, too much magnesium. Right, right. Um, I mean, I, I think I was just, I was going off like I was bonking after the end of like the high of the event. And, and it was a long event because it was, it was, a, it was a hard Ironman. And so, um, so I get into the medical tent, get on a couple of IVs, and, uh, and they asked if I, you know, wanted some like drugs mixed in there. I'm like, yeah, well, like I'm pretty uncomfortable. Let's do this. So, uh, so my, me the good stuff. yeah, my, uh, my best friend Dustin was also doing the event. I'd been in medical tent for a while and, uh, finally left and at perfect timing, Dustin came across the finish line. And, uh, and so he had his own bout and this was funny because he's a tough guy. He had a hernia while we were training for this thing. I had broken, about six or seven bones on a bicycle about a month before. So we were both kind of a mess going into this race. Um, and, and, uh, he, he was like, he ended up having to push his guts in the entire time through the run because they were <laughs> leaking out of his stomach. So he was, he was pretty uncomfortable at the finish. By this point, I was like high as a kite, thought I could drive home and all that. And they're like, you're not driving. So, uh, so we, we uh, and this is the point of the IV and how powerful they can be. Um, I, we got up the next day and I was sort of like bouncing off the walls, like eyeballs white and perfect, and felt really good. Other than the legs were pretty sore. And Dustin, like I wanted to get out of the house and get some food and you know kind of get going. There was some awards ceremony to go to, and Dustin, I, I remember like finally just knocking on his door and like you got to get up and seeing these like bloodshot eyes this bloated face it just you know from the cortisol it's so uncomfortable i mean he he looks sick and 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 i look perfect but it was just because i had that iv right that, i mean yeah. so you know i was hydrated and then i also slept really well he hadn't slept a wink because i was drugged up of course i slept well uh so so uh the ivs i i agree they can be super powerful medicine yeah. All right. Shall, shall we maybe uh, go a little bit to motorcycles? I don't know. Let's how, do it. How, I think how, that's a good How are we doing on idea. time? How are we doing on time? We are. Uh, we get another 10, 15 minutes um, to stick to the hour. Let's see if we can do that this time around. Oh, my God. There's no way. Oh, jeez. We, we did it again. So we try every podcast. We try not to go over an hour. And it always ends up 
two hours, right? And I know you have to go because you have to be tomorrow and you said in San Francisco. Yeah, my dad and I are building some motorcycles. I got a bunch of uh, stuff to do here and I have a couple of broken ribs right now. So unloading is going to be a little slower than normal, but that's all right. <laughs> so so just, just for everyone, he, he said, I have a couple of broken ribs. So we... The reason why we're sitting in the same room is because I picked him up and he said, yeah, I'm going to walk two miles, two and a half miles um, this morning just, you know, just to get get the blood flowing. And then he calls me and he, go, and he goes, yeah, I kind of woke up a little later. I'm, I'm on the road, but don't worry. And and by the way, I got some broken ribs and I was like, Jesus Christ, this, this is what you do when you have broken ribs. You walk two and a half miles just, just because. What else can you do, right? Like, you got you to gotta move. That's, oh, a, that's another big part of the health thing is you got to keep it moving. There's this great oh, French man. study. And it's like if you get on the ground, um, depending on how many um, points you, you need to touch the ground to pick yourself up, predicts the age you'll die at oh really and and it's really accurate because you know it's like if, if you're not fit you're gonna die early it sucks but i mean for them i mean like in general right but you're gonna die happy <laughs> i don't know it depends on your happiness i like suffering so i like pizza <laughs> yeah i got i got some broken ribs too the, the, gift of, the gift of jiu-jitsu, they both stick out. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> That just means you can bring in more air into your lungs. Yeah. That's a gift. Yeah, just don't try to sleep <laughs> on your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, a favor, because stomach sleepers have bad, uh, poor posture. Typically. Yeah, that's right. You're supposed to either sleep on your back or on your right side, right? Yeah, yeah, and ideally on your back. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we got we got some motorcycle questions. Yeah. We we really need to do some motorcycling here because everybody that tunes in, just, that's that's what you guys want to hear, right? So I was giving. Yeah, well, they don't want to hear when once you lose edge grip, how do you recover? So I think we've covered that very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was giving Gal a hard time because he had told me that he had basically learned to road race at Willow Springs, and I was like, "How oh, you got a short straw on that oh, one?" On an R one. Yeah, on an R one, <laughs> about the about as short as mine because I learned to road race on a Harley, and uh, neither of them are really good places to learn how to road race. <laughs> so, so where where would you learn how to road race? Um, probably on, you know, on a, on a 600 or, or smaller machine and, and on a track that has a lot of, a lot of turns, you know, with, with, in Southern California, that might be like, a a button willow or a Fontana or Thunder Hill in Northern California, Sonoma, any, uh, you know, they're going to say, but not a track where you just keep throttle on. Cause the problem when you, when you're keeping throttle on, I even struggle with this at Chuck Walla, um, it's you never learn to actually turn the motorcycle and the most important part in motorcycle racing is the, the you know the, the rider that gets the bike turned the quickest is the one that wins the race because they have the longest straightaways um so so uh so it is a, a big disadvantage to be a willow springs rider and i think that's why we saw so many great willow springs specialists not be able to really deliver on a you know on a national level because they just didn't weren't able to pick up the skills they needed on that racetrack. Okay, so you have, you just had the streets. You just moved to the streets. So you do True. one day, yeah, one day at the streets. One yeah, day. that works. Yeah, that's why California Superbike School they always run at the streets. Cool, and it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, if you can if you can master both those tracks, you're in pretty good shape. Okay, good. So so I have a I have a question for you about motorcycles. It's about motorcycles. 
You tested the MV Agusta F3675 back in 2012 so for Cycle World magazine. So this this is just for Nabil. Was this MV guy? This, uh, MV guy. Yeah. Was this the best bike you've ever tested? And and if it wasn't, was it? Wait a minute. What kind of question is that? It's a street bike. Is this is this the best bike ever made? <laughs> oh, oh yes. I'm sorry. I, I totally failed on that question. Yeah, absolutely. That is the best bike ever made. That's the pinnacle of any motorcycle I've ever ridden. Uh, sorry, Nabil, that's not true. But it was a great motorcycle. And here's the funny thing about this. When you go to test a motorcycle, the 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 manufacturers, uh, especially the European manufacturers, they're so cagey and they 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 polish these bikes. These are really not street bikes in the sense that like, I think they even might have souped up engines. I'm not sure, but they <laughs> definitely tune the suspension and retune the suspension and make the bike dialed for that racetrack. They're, they're little and, sneaky pasta eaters. Aren't yeah. They? Yeah. They with every bike. Right. And I remember going to, uh, her, um, maybe, uh, you know, a little later on and doing this, um, BM, BMW HP four intro. And that bike was so dialed. I mean, it was so dialed. It, it worked about as well as a super bike, you know, like a proper super bike. And, and, uh, you know, and I just was laughing because, you know, Troy Corser and, and, uh, and these, you know, these really fast riders were there setting up the bikes, you know, world champions setting up the bikes. And I was like, yeah, this isn't really a good indicator of what this bike is capable of. But that being said, the bikes were killer. And that MV was awesome. I really had a good time. Tested it at Paul Ricard, which I hadn't ridden there at that track since uh, 99 doing a 24-hour endurance race um, and part of the, yeah, one of the 24-hour endurance world championship races and and um, ended up burning an RC45 down to the ground in the turn at the end of the back straight, which is a pretty fast turn. But that was just in qualifying. The team actually drove to Germany overnight made got another rc45 and somehow got the bike working for the next day and we would have won that race but um we had another crash during the race but that was a teammate not my fault <laughs> wow so, so, so there you go <laughs> rc45 is that bike is so beautiful yeah it was a, a kind of a an electric bike before its time because the motor was just so seamless and uh i remember in that 24-hour race we had, um, you know, we we're, were competitive, but we weren't the quickest bike out there. And um, and so I think I started third and um, we did the Le Mans style start. And at that point, I'd ridden with some of the competitors on like Suzuki's and Gowers and whatnot. And, uh, and our bikes were pretty, they were running pretty close in speed. And so, uh, so I, you know, jumped on the bike and probably got like a third or fourth place start about where I started. And uh, we got to the back straight. And I ripped the paint off everything on the way by. I mean, I probably went into the turn at the end of the back straight with like a 10 bike length lead. And I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> we got a good bike. And and what I realized is that they all had like qualifying motors and stuff in their bike, but the race motors couldn't put out that amount of power. But that, that RC, RC45 was so fast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what was your favorite race? Favorite obviously race. I guess one you won. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good that is a good one. Oh man. No, I've uh you know uh, 
I had, um, I had this great race at, um, Peoria with Scott Parker and, um, and unfortunately Chris Card was a little quicker. And so he was, he was, uh, he had gotten away from us, but not by much. We were doing a pretty good job. And, uh, and, and I remember thinking like, this was, I think I was 16 years old and I was like, man, I'm like battling with one of the best there ever was, you know? And, uh, and we had, we had this great race going back and forth. And I think for me, it was just like pure shock of like, I don't belong here, but I'm here and, uh, and racing with the legend of the sport. And, uh, now, you and, understand you're one of the best that ever was, right? <laughs> not, a, not, well, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I don't, I, anyway, I, that's, that's sweet. But here, you know, I'm, I'm like kid, right. And, uh, you know, driving a, a van back to, you know, this, this race and, and now I'm racing against, you know, a, a person that I've, I've been watching since I was, you know, maybe eight years old going to, you know, these professional races, uh, you know, as a spectator and, uh, you know, Sacramento mile, San Jose mile and whatnot. And, uh, and so to, to, you know, not be too far down the road, um, and racing with him, I think that was, that was one of my greatest races. And it also ended up in, in a, in a, you know, a failure because my exhaust pipe ended up breaking off the motorcycle that, now the Bostroms aren't great mechanics, right? And uh, and and so we always had shit falling off our bikes. And in this case, it was the exhaust pipe better than the front forks. Um, and uh, so I got black flagged like really close to the end, and uh, it was such a heartbreaker because um, because it's a grand national grand national race, and uh, and you know I was going to finish second or third, um, which would have been really cool to be on the podium. And, uh, and, and, you know, stand on the podium with Scott Parker and Chris Carr would have been dope, but, um, it didn't work out. And that was, that was probably one of my most memorable races. <laughs> so hold on. Did you say losing the forks? Yeah. Did yeah. I ever... <laughs> it, um, <laughs> I remember, uh, so this was, uh, this was back a few years sooner, uh, maybe, you know, 93, we had went out to Sturgis to do some, uh, to do some flat tracks out there and uh and they wouldn't let me start the race because i didn't have um an axle i didn't have a nut on the axle and <laughs> and uh and and then you know so i, I missed you the know, start you, of the you race need that, right? right and uh and so i get back and and my my dad's like it's got pinch bolts it's fine <laughs> and so i didn't actually lose the forks i never lost the forks thank goodness but my my dad has lived through all that stuff like exploding <laughs> wheels at ascot and like tumbling and um because the old bikes were of course pretty gnarly but uh but i never <laughs> never never actually lost any forks. so okay <laughs> i was close actually to that accident uh i bought an old triumph from a friend there and i rode it to a mechanic in the valley and when i get there you know, he goes over the bike and so on he's like you know that you have no bolts on your pinch oh, forks in the, <laughs> at the bottom just like, like this is just gravity no <laughs> <you> together <laughs> it's it's, oh, it's british bikes you got to you got to tighten the bolts every uh, every time you ride it yeah i was testing a yeah. bike um, when we were doing that cafe racer show and uh, these these kids in new york had, they were kind of like import uh, car builders um, you know, the, the sort of like, you know, fast and furious kind of cars. And they built a motorcycle and this, this old Honda was sick. It looked so cool, but they didn't put a spacer between the wheel bearings and the, and the front axle, you know, and the, and the front wheel. And, uh, 
and I probably rode the thing a mile. And uh, the first time I got going, like, and of course I was wearing like jeans and basically no very little protective gear. I had a leather jacket on, open face helmet. The 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 wheel bearings fell in, and the front wheel just locked up, and I just crashed this thing going oh. like sixty five miles an hour in jeans. Oh. That sucked. So that's the closest I've ever had to forks falling off. All right, we got. That must have hurt. We yeah, got, that, we got eight that minutes. Hurt my feelings. We got eight minutes. I don't think we're going to go through all those questions in eight minutes. Let we can. Let's do what we can. Okay. All right. Uh, talk a little about we, fast track. There's always a little fuzz, right? You, you can come back. You know, yeah. we, we live right next to cool. each other. So yeah, you can yeah. come back. Uh, talk a little bit about a little bit about fast tracks. Uh, how you got involved? How do you know Ahmad? Yeah, uh, fast track is. Um, it's just a cool environment, right? Like great people. And that's what really drew me there. It happened from a phone call from Steve Rapp. He was, uh, he got called to fly on a day that he was supposed to do the Academy. And, uh, and I'd known a mod from like 20 years ago, but you know, fallen out of touch and, uh, and, and didn't even know that he had taken over fast track, but I was, I was like, cool, Steve, like I, I, I got your back. Like that's, you know, that's what we do. And uh, so went out and um, ended up having a really fun time, but mostly just a great time connecting with all the people out at Fast Track, um, from you know the participants to the staff, and uh, and so that sort of sunk the hook in me, and I was like, man, we can really make a difference because riding around, it really felt like most people just wanted to try harder to go faster, and uh, and that's such flawed logic. But um, there is a point where that can work, but it's out of it's it's like that last couple percent, um, and and uh, so so I kind of uh, you know over several weekends because we were doing the academy and it was a three three you know three month long sort of uh, you know school and competition and all of this cool stuff and I was like this is cool no one's doing this with track days Ahmad you're rad and. Uh, and and of course Nabil is there and and so um, so we were kind of talking about like what can we do to really help the riders grow and I think we've seen that when I go to the fast track events when I think back from like you know that was about 2015 to uh, you know going there now I just see so many better examples and then it's shown on the time charts too because uh, you know there's there's so many riders that have, have advanced in from the intermediate level to the expert level or the beginner level to the intermediate level. And, uh, and so the amount of riders riding in the faster groups is like the, the, the biggest chunk of, of riders there where that wasn't the case in the past. So I think there, there has, we've moved the needle and, uh, and I like to think that it's because there's better examples to follow now because some people are actually rather than trying harder, they're actually riding smarter. And, uh, and so that's been, that's been a real gift. And, um, whether it's true or not, I, 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 I like to think that we made a difference. You, you subscribe to slow is smooth and smooth is, is fast. You got to know what you're asking. And, uh, and most people, um, really don't know, they don't know what they're asking. Right. And so then they end up, you know, crashing the bike and they think that's a speed limit. And I always make this point, which is, you know, if you're, if you're riding right and you're trail braking and creating grip, you can create grip 
by, of course, you know, um, increasing the size of the contact patch on the tire and loading and and uh, and, and getting the chassis geometry correct. Um, then, you know, in a rider going 60 miles an hour can crash because they are 1% throttle leaning in. They have no contact patch. They have no uh, chassis uh, geometry working for them. They crash going 60, but another rider can be going 80 miles an hour and be totally comfortable. So the rider that crashes, what happens when you crash? Your confidence goes down. Falls, yeah. right? um, what happens when you don't crash? Your confidence grows. So if you can teach the rider to feel the grip and understand how you make grip, and how you give away grip and there's opportunities all the time to make grip or give away grip and there's also there's times when you want to give away grip most of the time you want to make grip right and uh and then and then once you get that feel while you're making grip it's like you can walk on water and uh and that's what we see on television i mean these riders are like walking on water yeah that's a rad feeling all right. I think. So that's what I keep telling people, right? Get some coaching. Don't buy that $3,000 exhaust, but put it in a couple of coaching sessions and you'll enjoy your bike so much more. Are you still coaching now that you live up north or what's the... I just sporadically kind of flying in and uh, and doing doing a little bit here and there, but um, I'll, I'll get more into it with, uh, with, with time. You know, life sort of has its ebbs and flows. Um, but I think, I think the... Uh, the fabric is set, you know, and I think that you go out to a track day at Fast Track, for example, and you're going to see a lot of people riding correctly. And that's uh, we're only as good as people we ride around. So I think it's, it's starting to become part of the fabric. Yeah. But the coaching yeah. thing, it, Nabil, you nailed it, which is, you know, don't don't waste your money on. Of course, a bike needs suspension, right? Like it needs to be set up. But you can ride fast on a stock bike these days. You couldn't do that on older, like, you know, 2007 machine. But nowadays you can ride fast on a stock bike. Um, you just need to have the suspension close and um, you need to have decent tires. But that's really it. Everything else is, you know, decent tires, suspension within the ballpark. And then it, and then you don't pads. need to do anything else. Yeah, so right? good, some good brake pads. Yeah, sure, sure. That there you go. Yeah, probably steel steel lines. I'm I'm oversimplifying this, but the point is, is uh, you can, you know, you can go fast on a stock motorcycle. You can do fast lap times on a stock motorcycle if you know what you're doing, and um and and you can't, you know, you could give, of course, the opposite, right? A rider that doesn't know what they're doing, the best bike in the world, and they can't hit their ass with both hands. Yep. So who, who's your uh, favorite to win in MotoGP? Or I should say, let's ask the question two ways. Who's your favorite to win, but also whose riding style do you like most and why? Uh, oh. I, I'm, to answer quickly, Nabil, I'm, I'm always one for, you know, the, the underdog. And it's, it's cool to see the riders on, uh, you know, um, a team that is not established um, come forward because that's sort of like, Typically, they're overriding the bike, and uh, and those are the riders I'm rooting for. I don't know the exact lineup for the season, but um, but I'll be tuned in once it comes. So I don't really have a great answer, but I'm looking forward to the getting the energy start of the season again. Yeah, sounds exciting. Ducati just beat this uh, speed record with Zarco. Uh, <laughs> I think the fastest uh, speed trap ever. Wow. 335 kilometers an hour, 340. They got a, they're using their lowering device now in the turns not just at the start wow and suzuki's complaining by the way suzuki's complaining gal because apparently they can't go fast <laughs> <laughs> look i 
you know, I'm I ride a Suzuki, but I'm not a Suzuki guy, right? I'll I'll get whatever. Come on, look at the color of your shirt. You're clearly a Suzuki <laughs> oh, guy. That's, that's a little lemon color. That's a little lemon. This is a little lemon. Um, yeah, his, his uh, girlfriend picked that up for him. Oh, okay. All right. That's that's where we're going. Okay, I was not aware. <laughs> All right, really, let's 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 uh, let's put a pin on it, right? And and come back maybe with part two once you have more time, yeah. once you settle in town. Yeah, we can do that. And I'll, I'll show you the all the all the good spots <laughs> for vegan food. Show me that the good the good lines around the racetrack. The good lines, Thanks. yeah. I appreciate that. The good call. lines around the strip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, let's uh, let's let's knock off. Uh, let's. We only got a couple more questions here, so if we want to, all right, get through them, let's I'm do down. It. All right, you can read them. No, no, you. Uh, as you read them, okay. You piloted a, a ZX7RR for a long time and single-handedly boosted sales for the model. Do you think it's time for them to uh, make a comeback on the on the new seven seven hundred class, seven fifty class, whatever they call it now, V two class, Super Sport class? I I think. Um... Yes, in the sense that uh, it's the most rideable platform. You know, I think a 1,000cc motorcycle is just too much for most, for pretty much any, almost any street riding scenario. I would say not for most, but for almost all street riding scenarios. It's just more motorcycle than you need. And the, the 750 is um, just a really forgiving platform. So uh, maybe that's a little bit uh, me being romantic about, you know, the times I've had on the on the 750, but I do feel like the racing was really good then too. And, um, and the flip side of that is with uh, all the electronic controls that we have on the bikes nowadays, like the, the thousands almost ride like 750s or even 600s. And, um, and so, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you get them upright, they, they're really fun and they rip and, and, uh, but there's not too many places on the street where you can actually use that power. Um, so, so I, I think so, but I don't think we're going to see that happen. I think that we're going to continue to see, you know, the kind of 600, 1000 CC thing. Um, and I think the market, the market's going to drive that decision. So that's, that's the way it's going. I think that's the way it's going to stay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the reason why everything's changing is because those, those 600s are not selling like they should be selling. Yeah, right. Right. So I think everybody's trying whatever they're trying to figure out what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, but I, I just don't think there's an, enough bike sales to justify an intermediate class. And uh, Neville's got a really cute new puppy. So Neville shows the puppy. <laughs> Puppy's in the kitchen trying to beg for some food. We so hear him. him. <laughs> All right. Next, next question is, uh, every time I see you on camera, you seem happy and smiling. It's just... Uh, motorcycle that makes you small or just you're just high on life yeah i think high in life i like to think that um the motorcycle i mean gosh what could i have to be too disappointed about my life's been amazing um you know i have this like amazing family and uh you know my brother and i's relationship is so powerful and uh so yeah i think uh there's just you know, there's no reason to be unhappy and, and, uh, we can all make reasons to be unhappy, but if, if you're in that space, you need to go outside, get some sunshine, breathe some fresh air and, uh, and, and, and also like push yourself. Right. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, we see, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, 
people, uh, you know, famous actors or other people kind of, you know, em ending their lives prematurely. Um, it's they're just not taking on a new challenge and not finding something to get pumped about. And uh, and you got to mix it up. Right. Like, I mean, it's not like, you know, motorcycles have have, have carried me through life and been my one passion. I have, you know, all these other outdoor passions. I am an outdoor person. But that that that's not the right recipe for the next person. It's just the right recipe for that makes me smile. Yeah. And then health, health and wellness. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the way you eat has a lot to do with it, right? For sure. Gut, for sure. gut bacteria really affects your brain. Yeah, more than we know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's wild that you can sever the connection from the gut to the brain and, and, and yet they still communicate. And, uh, and it's amazing that, um, you know, over 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So, um, that, uh, that also goes for mood enhancement. And, you know, if your, if your gut flora is, jacked up then your mood's gonna be your mood's gonna follow that so uh yeah you can you can make a major influence in your uh in in your mood with your with your diet and unfortunately the reason that we have so many people on prescriptions uh you know and and uh, you know whether it's like the serotonin different um you know antidepressants is because their gut flora is just wrong yeah Yeah, I mean, someone said we're we're just we're just a big tube, right? That, I like that. Yeah, I've not heard that, but that, I like that. That has on the inside and has all those bacteria. Mm -hmm. That's that's all all we are, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 um, human or well, you know, the um, the biome is becoming more and more recognized as an important part of our health. But then there's also the virum, which is really important. And you know, for every human cell that we have, we have a Uh, you know, a hundred, a hundred X, you know, bacteria cells in our body. And for every bacteria cell, we, I think we have 10 X uh, virus cells. So um, our, our virus in our body, I shouldn't say cells. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, and that's another huge, huge part of our health. We can't live without virus. We can't live without bacteria. And, uh, and it's so important that we, you know, understand that and go okay these these are these are the these are factors responsible for my health and i need to um feed feed the body in a healthy yeah. way and build the ecosystem so that the good viruses and the good bacteria flourishes yeah exactly yeah. it is symbiotic yeah. Yeah. uh next question next question uh the Boss Brothers Sturgis ride tell yeah. us about that <laughs> Sturgis we're, we're not you know Isn't Sturgis Harleys and uh, but well, your back your background is Harleys. Yeah, it is, and maybe that's what tied us in. And we uh, we went to Sturgis as kids and raced, and that was a really funny thing to be exposed to, right? Like you're thirteen uh, years old and you're seeing these like fat asses hanging out at chaps, and you're like, that's just wrong on every level, right? <laughs> but. Um, It, so yeah, it was it was a uh, you know the city really wanted to kind of change the demographic and uh, and and we wanted to help um, so we kind of added a, a sport bike end to the Sturgis Rally. It wasn't very sticky, but um, but we did uh, we did have some good times there and like uh, Ricky Carmichael and a bunch of uh, you know dirt the dirt bike crowd came up. Mickey Diamond. Uh, there were some supermoto races. So. It was cool. It did add a lot to the show, but ultimately, you know, that is just like your pure Midwest. Like we ride cruisers, and and uh, 
and and so yeah, it was it was challenging. It had its challenges. <laughs> you didn't come back on a Harley. No, not on a Harley. <laughs> Are you competitive with your brother? Yeah, but not as competitive as Ben is with me, in the sense that like I've always been the type of rider that I like to race the track and have like the joy of like riding and racing and i can remember being a kid and and, uh and and saying like you know let's go ride this track and and be like why and and like you know just for the joy of like riding it's like uh, it's not why i ride like (laughs) i ride to beat you and 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 i you know a a great like he would be furious once and that was like when there was a you know he was older and so he was quicker but once we got kind of close in speed the worst thing you could ever do was pull out of the when if if we were like in a you know a fight on the racetrack you know we'd be on our dirt bikes and have all these different configurations uh and if you were leading and pulled off the track you've never seen ben so angry before like <laughs> furious and and it was because you didn't give him him the opportunity to win, right? <laughs> and that was his sole reason to be on the racetrack. And I, I just I think we're we're polar opposites on that because I always kind of liked riding the bikes and <laughs> and uh, and you know and, and it's trying at times, right? Because you you don't have the bike you want, and uh, and so so it, you know it can it can wear on your nerves and, and patience and all that. But for Ben, it was like I'm out there to be to beat everyone and, and it's killer so yeah he's hyper competitive and me i think i'm competitive uh, okay I, I think it kind of rubbed off on you when you were racing other people right and you were like yeah i'm not losing to this guy and oh you, sure you learned a lot from yeah him. no you want to you want to you want to beat everyone and um but not i i've never had that that hyper competitive drive that 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 he has and and some of the other competitors i raced against Okay, uh, let's see. Next question. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to ask this one, but <laughs> the last one is, what is your favorite ice cream? And I imagine it's something with coconut, right? And it without, without any sugar. and It, it probably should be. Uh, um, you know, I love plant-based ice creams, but um, but I'm not, like, ultimately that strict. And and, and so uh, there's, a, there's a place in Bend, Oregon called Bonta, and their ice cream is killer. But the best ice cream in the world is certainly in Italy, probably. You know, the gelato stands that are just everywhere. And uh, and pistachio is my favorite. But it's got to be, like, really proper pistachio. And then that's, like, that's the one. <laughs> pistachio gelato, for pistachio sure. Pistachio gelato and, in and, Italy. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's cream-based. And it's, you know, eh, not perfect. So, you know, you can try the Venetian right here. Right down the street, the Venetian, they have a little court and they have a little gelato cart in there that has pistachio. Nice. Okay. So cool. there you go. I'll check it out. Thanks for the tips, God. <laughs> it's not Italy, but it's, it's kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, crew. Um, should we wrap it up? Nabil, are you, uh, you, you good? You solid? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you okay. for making the time. Much appreciated. And I, I love we did. This is the first one we do in person. So yeah. it's that because it's a lot more fun to actually be with the person, even if I'm seeing you from the other side of the screen. We did it with we carry. Oh, he's calling yes. you out. He's calling you out. 
You gonna take that? That's share? right. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> right, it was start. our first one. I oh. forgot about it. <laughs> okay, so this has been another episode of Edge Grip Podcast with Nabil Kabani and our special guest Eric Bostrom. Cool. It's been a pleasure, team. Um, look forward to seeing you guys on the track, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll take it to the track from here. All right. Sounds good. Thanks everyone for listening. Right. Cool. Bye.